right, so we have, uh, as the kids are leaving, we've got just a couple of announcements. Um, the first one has to do with an event coming up on the 31st, which is Halloween. Uh, we are partnering with Redemption Church um, over in Miners Oaks uh, to uh, put on a trunk or treat. So it's going to physically be over at Redemption. Anyone and everyone is welcome to go. And we encourage you, particularly if you have kids, to really support that type of, of activity and, and uh, do it with your brothers and sisters. Uh, they do need volunteers. If you are interested in volunteering to help, whether you have kids or not, you can certainly help and volunteer. You can see Jordan, and he'll give you a link to, um, to sign up for volunteering. Um, and the next... Uh, Announcement that we have, Jody Garfield is going to share with us. Oh, yeah, Jody. So uh, we'd like to invite you uh, November 5th for a men's breakfast um, in the Commons. Everybody's invited. Um, it's at 9 a.m. And um, we're going to just a time of fellowship, break bread together. And um, we're also, Matt Norris will be giving his testimony. So come join us. November 9th, November 5th, sign-ups are out in the cart. There you go. Okay. <laughs> that, that was, Jody means business. That means, uh, now he said everyone can come, but I think he meant the guys. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, we're, we're, you read it how you want to read it. But guys, come on, we want to see all of you guys there, okay? So that's going to be a, a real fun time together. All right. Well, it's good to be with you. Let's start with a, a question. It might be a little bit challenging because there won't be context just yet, but, but the question is, duck or rabbit? Okay, we have a duck. And, and so, so, so to help you out, you know, so just the question, duck or rabbit? Okay, now up on the screens, you'll get some context. Okay, okay, okay. Now, if I had reversed the order and said rabbit or duck, that might have helped you, right? Okay. So uh, a little, little survey, how many see a duck? How many see a rabbit? How many are struggling right now because, I, okay. Anybody here not see the duck? The duck is facing me, okay. The rabbit is facing away from me on that screen, okay. Okay, how many see both? Okay, okay. And, and that, that's really the point. Because, uh, you know, you may have seen that in coming through school or wherever. Uh, there is a duck and a rabbit in that picture. And, and to begin with, I really want you to tuck away the ability you have right now to choose. So if I say, okay, right now I'd like you to choose to only see the duck. Put your hand up when you, when you choose to see the duck. Okay? Now, choose to see the rabbit. Put your hand up. Okay, what you just exercised right now was power of choice. And actually, what you, what you just uh, experienced was the power to choose where you choose to focus. And we're going to be talking about uh, a familiar verse this morning that really, at its core, is dependent upon your ability, supernaturally, as a believer, to choose. To choose. And I'm going to ask you, uh, not to. Sometimes when we come to these verses pastorally, uh, I get a little concerned because when we get to very familiar verses, uh, there's a tendency uh, to check out. There's a phrase called, uh, 
It says a familiarity breeds contempt. What that means is sometimes, uh, even in the context of church, you hear verses, John 3.16 and others, oh, yeah, 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 I memorized that when I was in VBS. And, and you kind of have heard maybe several sermons about a particular verse, and it's very familiar. And so sometimes when you see it in a context of today, the verse that we're going to look at, you may just kind of go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I know that one. And so I'm going to ask you right off the bat, uh, not, to, not to dismiss it, not to check out, not to, you know, allow your familiarity with this verse to, to sort of cloud the freshness and the newness of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life today. Amen? Right? Because today is the day the Lord has made. You are not here by accident or online by accident or listening to this later in the week by accident. Uh, the Word of God is living and active. The Holy Spirit is alive and well and knows exactly where you are with Lord, with what's going on in your life, in your relationships, every facet. The Bible says there is nothing hidden from his sight. And so I'm going to ask you, even in the uh, familiar nature of this passage, to stay very attentive, very in tune with what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you about this passage. Because in Philippians 4.4, the apostles writing to the church in Philippi, and this verse says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And we're going to be talking about rejoicing or biblical joy today. And at its core, again, duck or rabbit, you're going to see it's a choice. In fact, the title of this sermon today is The Choice to Rejoice. And if, if you just leave with that core principle, it can transform your life. Like literally can transform what happens before you put your head on your pillow tonight. Because I'm going to guarantee you something will probably happen between now and when you go to sleep. And you're going to have to choose. Someone's going to say something. Someone's going to cut you off. Someone's going to be rude. You're going to get a text. You're going to get an email. You're going to see something on TV. And at that very moment, you're going to have to choose. And so it's relevant. Some of you also may be set free today because there are things in your life that have angered you, that have hurt you, that have caused great discouragement, depression, pain. And maybe somewhere along the line, you forgot that you can choose what to do with that. And so you're in bondage at this very moment. You're in bondage to that. Because somewhere you surrendered your ability to choose a biblical response and a biblical reaction to whatever circumstance you have faced, are facing at this very moment as you sit here, and will face. What did Jesus say? In this world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So he guaranteed tribulations. Anyone got an amen to tribulations? Right? So, right? I mean, he said it. I mean, this is where, you know, people are like, oh, you Christians, you're just pie in the sky, bury your head in the sand, la, 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 you know, you, you live in denial. No, no. As a follower of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, what that enables us to do is go out and face the reality of a broken, fallen world in victory and in joy because we can choose. We can choose. This theme of rejoicing is familiar to the passage, Philippians 3.1. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. 
I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice. Ooh. Rejoice always. So we're going to pause right there. And I'm going to ask you to rewind the tape for the last seven days. And we're going to call this the rejoicing frequency scale. Because that says rejoice. We won't raise hands this one. I'm just, this is one of those rhetorical type of questions. How'd you do with the always part of that? Or I should even, let's bring it present tense to 1024 on October 23rd. How are you doing right now? See, always means right. So, so are you? Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. That's why I'm saying this, this is relevant. Rejoice always. Right? Philippians 4.4 4 again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, in the Bible, when things are repeated, you should probably perk up a little bit. So in one verse, the Apostle Paul says, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It's that important. Right? Now, in the, in the Greek grammar, that's called a present imperative, which means it's a command that our lifestyle be one of joy that is based on an active choice of our will, independent of circumstances. Okay? Isaac, put that back up. Please, Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That is a command... That as a believer, my lifestyle, your lifestyle is supposed to be characterized by joy, which comes out of a choice regardless of circumstances. But, but, but you don't know. But, but, but. Some of you already went, but, but. Because that right there changes everything, doesn't it? That changes everything. And, and, I, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, sort of like I was battling between the title of this sermon being the choice to rejoice and the sermon that I don't want to preach. <laughs> because, you know, I've had some circumstances in my life in the last month that have been extremely challenging, extremely challenging. And I wasn't raised necessarily in a, in a Christian home in the sense of uh, being raised with a biblical worldview to rise above circumstances, to trust in God. I was raised pretty much in a secular environment, which made me extremely sensitive and in tune to circumstances, to things that happened to me, things I did. I lived in the world of happenings and circumstance, okay? And I just carried that with me, very reactive, and then that led to hyper-control, because if you live in the world of circumstance and happenings, well, after a while, you just decide, I got to control what happens, right? And, or I got to defend about, so I got to defend myself against something happening to me. And so if you're living in this, this control circumstance world, you're either attacking or you're defending constantly in the world of happenings and circumstance. And so what happened, you know, things I've been going through this last several weeks you know, and it came to this verse, and I'm like, oh, great. Rejoice in the Lord always. You know, and I've had this wrestling. 
I told the leadership team, you know, I, 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 was, I was kind of having a harumph party with the Lord. Just like, what if I don't want to? What if I don't feel like it? Right? And, and I, told, I told him this morning, he was like, till, I, 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 how many of you ever, like, been struggling with something and you keep kicking the can down the road? Like, you know things aren't going to change, but you just kind of like, ah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Well, prepping for the sermon was a, I'll get to it. It's my Wednesday of this week. And usually I'm like, what? Just because my heart was, was struggling with circumstances. And this, this, this command, this present imperative that my life is supposed to be based on uh, a choice of my will to rejoice and, 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 and live in joy regardless of circumstance. Well, you're talking to Mr. Circumstance. Mr. Avoid negative and pursue positive circumstance at all costs. That's how I was raised. That's, what, that's how I got along. Right? And so uh, I'm just sharing this with you because I get it. And so for me... What, what enabled me to, to begin the process of opening up the Word of God and doing all the studying that I do was the idea and the, and the remembrance of that picture. As I was praying, for whatever reason, I'm praying about this, and the Lord's like, duck a rabbit. I'm like, what are you doing? Duck a rabbit? You got to choose. This is a choice. You know? And, and you ever go through something, and somehow you forget that the Lord knows what you're going through? Like, you get so wrapped up in your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, like, you forget that God knows exactly how you feel, right? And then you get to that place, and if you think that God doesn't know, then you think that God doesn't care. And if God doesn't care, then you can get justified in how you respond, because apparently it's back up to me again. And I'm just, again, I'm just sharing the ups and downs and lefts and rights to, to get me to this place of being reminded it is a choice, regardless of circumstance. Uh, in Acts 5, the apostles were arrested, they were beaten brought before uh, religious leaders, commanded not to preach the name of Jesus, and yet look at their response in Acts 5. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. They rejoiced in the suffering. You know, and I'm thinking, I'm like, how is that even possible? What? What's going on? And, and then I was reminded in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so part of this, again, was the Lord beginning to, to speak to my heart, even bring conviction to me that, you know what? I get it. You might even have some valid positions here, and this is tough. But Richard, you're... You're, you're in the flesh right now. You're trying to process this and you're trying to deal with this like the way you used to. You know, you slid back into the old you when bad things happened and you would respond in anger and you would respond in control and you would respond in wanting to give your position and, you know, fix it or whatever. And, and really it was an issue of being in the flesh. Just choosing not to, as we talked about in the summer, be walking in the Spirit, surrendered to the Spirit, obedient to the Spirit, the supernatural work of the Spirit, so that ultimately you can bear the fruit of the Spirit. 
It's, 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 just, it's really not that complicated. Isaac, put that list back up, Galatians 5, right? The fruit of the what? Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? That whole list. So part of me, I was reminded, look, if I'm not manifesting that fruit in my life, I got to check myself. Has nothing to do with the circumstances. Has everything to do with the choices I'm making, which lead me down the path of the flesh. That's, that's kind of as simple as it gets. Once you get past justifying and rationalizing and excusing yourself, you know, as Bill likes to say, once you get over your bad self and you let the Holy Spirit just say, you know what, you got to choose to surrender this to me because if you do, there's the fruit of your life. And so in this area today, when there was no joy, and I'm preaching on joy, it, it came down to an issue of flesh versus the spirit. What's going on? And that may be where you're at. Maybe you've been in bondage. Maybe you've been burdened by something. Maybe you haven't been rejoicing always. And it's not that you don't know in your head the Bible knowledge about it. It's an issue of a choice of your heart, where you're at with that person, with your past, with your circumstances. It's an issue of the heart this morning. It's an issue of yielding to the Spirit so that you can bear the fruit of the Spirit. And then when you bear the fruit of the Spirit, who gets all the glory? God. God gets all the glory. And you're like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of crazy because this is how the old me would react. And when someone says, you're different, man. I thought you were going to go ballistic. I thought you were going to snap my head off. You're like, yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? That's just God. That's the testimony. That's the testimony. And so if we're going to understand what it is to rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice. We've got to look at it and understand biblical joy. In fact, we have to be specific in, in joy versus happiness. Joy versus happiness. So if I say to you, hey, uh, hey Jody, how, how was your week? And he might say, oh, it was okay, right? Usually when people ask me that or we have this conversation, what goes to your mind? Well, let me think, what happened? Right? If I say, Mark, how was your week? He'll kind of give his answer based on, he'll go really quick on what events happened. Right? Well, the word happiness is from hap, H-A-P, which is happenstance or circumstance. So really happiness is based on the happenings of our lives. That is not biblical joy. That's just kind of like the world's version of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of which is what? Good happenings, right? It, it's an emotion associated with certain events, an event, a thing, a happening. When my wife and I went to a, a beautiful wedding uh, last night, yesterday afternoon. It was a great happening. It's beautiful. There's a lot of happiness there around a happy event, right? And so right off the bat, ask yourself, how much of your life is really geared around happenstance, happenings? And here's the challenging part about that. A lot of it is out of your control, isn't it? Now, we can fool ourselves to thinking that we're in control, and we can exert a lot of control and become dominating, domineering, right, the control freak. But the truth is, so much on this planet is literally out of our control. What happens health finances economy global situations 
really out of our control, right? But a lot of people base their happiness on happenstance. So right off the bat, just ask yourself, where are you as a believer? Again, this is a biblical worldview, joy versus happiness. Because joy or rejoicing is to be glad, to thrive, to rejoice exceedingly, independent of circumstances. Now, again, for some, that is just mind-boggling. If you're honest, if you and I had this conversation, I'm pretty sure you was like, I don't even know, how is that even possible to have joy apart from circumstance? Because you, like me, were raised in circumstantial happiness. If, then I'll be happy. So I'm going to say if, and then you fill in the blank or the blanks, because you all have them. If, then I'll be happy. I don't know what yours are. 401k, get a boyfriend, get a girlfriend, get married, have kids, get a job, good health. If, then I'll be happy. Well, you're going to have to break free of that if you're going to rejoice in the Lord always. You're going to have to reframe that to choosing to live a life of biblical joy, not worldly happiness. Two radically different concepts. One will transform you right now if you choose, if you choose to rejoice in the Lord always, okay? Biblical joy, it's a deep down confidence that God is in control of everything for the believer's good and his own glory. And thus, all is well, no matter the circumstances. See, foundational to biblical joy is that God is in control, and God is good, and all the time. Doesn't that reframe it? Take whatever circumstance you're struggling with, whatever is burdening you, whatever is discouraging you, and put the goodness of God, the power of God, the sovereignty of God right next to it. Who wins? But what we tend to do in life is we get this problem and we fixate on it. And how many have ever fixated on a problem to where it just grows and grows and grows, right? You know how big the sun is, right? Well, all you got to do is put your finger close enough and pretty soon you can't even see the sun because your thumb is in the way. This huge sun. Your little thumb can block it out because you get it this close. Well, that's your problem in life, and that's God, and you just go, ooh, and you mull it over, and you think of all the answers you're going to give that person, and all the things, and, and pretty soon, it's not in your glasses, it's inside your glasses, <laughs> and you just can't even see. This is all you see. Can I get an amen? Okay, thank you. I'm more like all of you than you know. Right? It's, 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 it's focus. It, it, it's, it's, okay, biblical joy. I can choose that. That choice is rooted in the nature of God and who I am in Christ. If you'll live out of that, you'll begin to really have an incredible supernatural transformation in your life. Because most of us, again, live in the world of circumstance. You're just waiting for the next thing to happen. You got that knot in your stomach, 
Because you're not going to be blindsided again. You're not going to be betrayed again. You're not going to be scammed again. And you're walking around like this. And you have no peace and you have no joy because you know what? No one is going to do that to me again. And I'm not going to be that dumb ever again. A lot of believers, your joy is quenched because you're quenching the spirit because you're in the flesh. With the best of intentions, you live trying to protect yourself in a fallen and broken world. And you live trying to find happiness in happenstance, which is completely out of your control. Right? And how many of you have struggled with something, didn't know why it was happening, yada, yada? How many of you, when you choose deep in your heart to release the control to God, to release the person to God, to release the situation to God, how many of you in that instant felt release? It wasn't resolved necessarily, but you experienced peace and joy that God is in control. That deeply, God is good. You see, that's where people say, oh, that's so cliche. No, it's not. That is a profound truth. That is the foundation of everything that happens or will happen in your life and my life. That is the basis of biblical joy, the goodness of God, and that I am his child. The goodness of God doesn't just mean, hey, he's kind of a good guy. What the goodness of God means is he desires the good for all of his children all the time. Think about that. If you're a believer, if you're a child of God, a good God desires your good 24-7, 365. He's desiring your good. Now, then why does he allow this and why does he allow that? Well, Romans 8, 28 says he works all things for the good. Okay? I'm just layering this because I know how circumstance-driven we are. How happiness-driven we've become. Okay? Here's a quote. What is joy? Joy is a supernatural delight in God, in God's goodness. And it is a very different thing from happiness. Happiness is circumstantial, but not joy. Joy is an inner quality of delight in God or gladness. And it is meant to spring up within the Christian in a way totally unrelated to the adversities or circumstantial blessings of this life. One of the uh, aspects of the definition of joy, not just that it's rooted in God's goodness, God's nature, and who we are in Christ, there's also a physical expression to joy. There's also a physical, like, joy cannot, it's not fake, it's not phony, it's not something we manufacture, and woo-hoo, no. Joy just kind of, if, if it's the fruit of the Spirit, it will, be, it will manifest, and you know, a great example that I've seen this, and, and even actually been convicted, is, is my little grandchild. She's like 18 months, and we get the privilege to watch her once in a while. And sometimes I watch her, and she gets this little toy, and she's just running around the living room like, <laughs> and I'm like, that girl is just joyful right now. Anyone ever see that, right? These, these kids at that age, they get their toy or they're singing a song and they don't care who's looking. They don't care who's listening. There is no self-consciousness of anything. It is just pure joy radiating out of them because they got their special toy or they got their you know, cookie. Or they, and they're just like, 
like almost like she can't contain herself, right? She's just like so joyful. And, and it's so funny. I look at that, and I'm like, that's joy right there. This is this like unhindered, uninhibited expression of something in her where she's just joy, and she's just expressing it, right? And then we get grown up. What are you doing? Why are you lifting your hands in worship? We don't do that here. We get all concerned about people around us. And you want to express in worship. You want to go like this. And yet you're like, but if I do that, what are all the people behind me going to think about me? Huh? Okay. Shall we be transparent again? How many of you in worship time? Have ever got to this place where, you know, there was a song, the spirit was moving, and you just sensed this, like, welling up, I gotta worship, I wanna sing, I wanna lift my hands, but you didn't because you were scared of what the people around you were gonna think. Thank you for the few honest, the rest are liars, okay, so it's like... <laughs> Let's just be honest... Y'all are so scared of what you all think about each other in here. And then along comes Bobby. Bobby gets saved. How long ago, Bobby? Just like reason, right? Yeah. Bobby comes in. This is the best thing since Disneyland. Right? He comes in and he gets the music. And I, I, one time I think I was leading worship. And Bobby's like, Kapah! And I'm like, that man is free. That man is in the moment, and he's just, he's just decided. He's just decided, I'm not going to worry about this between me and God right here. Right? There's a choice he made. It's a choice we constantly make. Right? Even at this moment. And then, and then he says, rejoice in the Lord. Very important. Okay? In verse 1, he said, stand firm in the Lord. In verse 2, he said, agree in the Lord. And now in verse 4, he's saying, rejoice. It's in the Lord. You can't miss that, right? We're to stand firm in the Lord. We're to agree. Our relationships are, based, are supposed to be in the Lord, in the church. And now we're to rejoice in the Lord. It's not about a manufactured fleshly thing. It's in the sphere of the Lord. In a relationship of being in the Lord, right? David Curtis says this, Our joy comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's different from happiness, the happiness of good health. Because true joy persists in weakness, pain, illness, and even death. It's different from the happiness that we get from a new house, or a new car, or new clothes, or anything else. Because it persists through the loss of everything. Why? Because it is founded in a relationship can never be broken. It's rooted in the Lord. It's who you are in Christ. That's the basis of our joy. Right? Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What a great reason to have a quiet time. In your presence is fullness of joy. Habakkuk 3. 
even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. Amen? That is a phenomenal passage for 2022. Even though, fill up the blank, what's going on in your life. Even though, even though the midterms don't go the way you think they should go. Even though your finances don't go the way they should go. Even though those relationships aren't coming around. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Do you see that? You see the freedom? You feel the power in that? You are free if you choose to rejoice in the Lord. You operate in a whole nother sphere. In fact, you are now starting to live more and more like a citizen of heaven. Remember in Philippians, he said, our citizenship is in heaven. And so what we're to, how we're supposed to operate on this planet, which is not our home, is as citizens of heaven. So what do citizens of heaven do? Stand firm in the Lord. What do citizens of heaven do? Agree in the Lord. What do citizens of heaven do? Rejoice in the Lord. Paul is simply calling us out to rejoice as citizens of heaven should be rejoicing. And so part of that is us being willing to be honest that we haven't been. We haven't been. We've been more caught up in the happiness, in the secular definition of happiness. People are still, you know, status, you know, image, titles. We're still hunting after happiness in the world's way. And the apostle Paul is calling the church to, hey, you know what? Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. That's what they need to see out there. That's what will cause them to go, I want that. How are, you, how are you doing that? How are you not just flipping out right now? How are you not just firing off a text and going off on that person? Why are you so joyful? Yeah, that's what this world needs right now is the church to be rejoicing in the Lord because it's only going to get worse. Got these midterms coming up. You got all the forecasts about the economy and everything that's about to happen. The question is, where are you going to be focusing as a believer? Are you going to let the circumstances drag you down on social media and everything else? Or are you going to be salt and light? And are you going to maneuver through the rest of 2022 and into 2023 rejoicing in the Lord? Standing firm in the Lord. It's a choice. It's simply a choice. Okay? Now, what makes it a little bit more, well, not a lot, a lot more challenging is the Bible says before we came to know Jesus, we were spiritually dead. Like dead. Spiritually dead. 
Okay, we were, we just didn't get it. Bible, I didn't want anything to do with the Bible. I thought it was a bunch of, you know, nice quotes, right? I want, we were just spiritually dead. Now, when you come to Christ, the Bible says you're now spiritually alive. You're born again, right? It says you're able to understand spiritual things. You have the Holy Spirit, you go boop, and you're like, whoa, I didn't know there, there was a spiritual supernatural world. Right? Okay, you guys did that. So that sounds really great, but it makes it more challenging because now you have this spiritual life and now you're kind of operating in two worlds. And you got to try to navigate that. And I thought of our friend that visits us every so often, the four eyed fish. Right? The four eyed fish. I love God's creation. Four eyed fish does not have four eyes. What he does is each eye has two pupils. There's four pupils, and those four pupils, those fish hang out at the surface, and they, God created them to be able to look up and look down at the same time. They look up for predators who might want them, and they look down for food. That's kind of you and me when you have spiritual life. You operate in the spiritual world, you're at church, you're worshiping, and then you got to go to the secular world, so you're kind of like the four-eyed fish. And the hard part about life is you're trying to navigate it, right? You're trying to navigate it. Then you have your journey of how you were raised and what you tended to focus on, right? And so we, again, the fish has to choose. He can see them both, but at certain times he has to choose where he's going to focus. That's kind of like you and I. It goes again to a choice of focus, right? Colossians 3, if then you have been raised with Christ Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. It's a choice. Where are you going to focus? Think about this past week. Where was your primary focus? Things above, things on the Lord, or your circumstances, and your feelings, and your opinions, and social media, and sports, and entertainment, and finances, and health. Now, I'm not saying anything's evil or wicked about any of those things. I'm just saying, where were you focused? Where did you set your mind this past week? Okay? Phil Newton says this, your pursuit is above. That is, it is to be spiritual in nature. You are to be living with an eye toward eternity. But the focal point of all your life is to be him who is seated at the Father's right hand, Jesus Christ. The Christian's active pursuit in sanctification is for his life to be shaped by the life of Christ, his tongue to reflect the gracious speech of Christ, and his service to be selfless like that of Christ. If you're going to focus on Christ, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be like Christ. Right? How many of you remember in middle school, high school, you would see, maybe you did this, you know, I am probably was guilty at some point. People started to dress and talk like the people they hung around with. Anyone? Right? You'd be like, oh, you know, because we all did that. You go, you go, you show up in middle school, high school, maybe in college, and you're like, who's going to accept me? Who's going to accept me? Where am I going to belong? And you all hunt sort of these social groups. And then once you find a group that kind of likes, what do you do over time? Because you're hanging out with them so much. Change your dress. Change how you talk. Listen to the same music. Adopt the same attitudes. Why? Because you set your mind on them. Same thing. 
As a believer, we're to set our mind on things above, things of Christ. The church, that's why it's important to be in the church. You got to be around people who are like-minded and like-hearted about Jesus, amen? That's the value of just being together, whether it's on a Sunday or a men's group, a men's breakfast, women's events. The value is just being around believers, being around the church. There's value in that. That's why we actually spend the time and the money and the effort with the coffee and the donuts and the cheese out there. It's not just because we have to or just because we think it's a good thing. No, that is an intentional ministry opportunity for you to enjoy each other's company and share lives. That is what that is for. That's the value in it. We value that. We, you know, that's like second service. We dismiss first service and then you all hang out there and share lives and laugh and joke and pray with one another that's, that's church. Church didn't end just because we said it's done in here. Church just continues out there. That's the value in it. That's the value. And so we have to be careful where we set our minds. And in fact, Romans 12 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You've heard me say that word transformed is metamorphosis. It's like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. That's what we're talking about. Okay? The key, though, is renew your mind. It's the word of God. It's God's truth. Okay? John 17, 17. In the amplified, Bill. In the amplified. Sanctify them in the truth which means set them apart for your purposes, make them holy. Your word is truth. So if you want to be transformed, if you want to lay a solid foundation for rejoicing in biblical joy, you got to be in the word. You got to have your mind renewed. Okay? And, and you know, I've shared with you before I do this. Now I have to bring a Bible in because I couldn't do this with my iPad. Right? Here's the point of this. Sanctification is the process of spiritual maturity, becoming more and more like Christ. It's a, developing really a biblical worldview, right? The more you're in the Word, the more you're in fellowship, the more you're in connection with the church. I've shared this before. What, what we hope that you see is not only do you grow in your love for the Lord, but you develop a biblical worldview. And what I mean by that is, let's see if I can do this. Do you have the Word of God? And you get to know it so well that that's the lens through which you look at the world. See? Everything that's happening on this planet right now is seen through the Word of God. I filter it. I evaluate it. It's how I see the world. Biblical worldview. And it's how I hear things from the world. The world says it, but it comes through the Word of God. It can even affect what I say. That's what this is for. Last Sunday I said, this isn't just given for information, it's given for transformation. And the more you get into the word, you choose to renew your mind, you develop a biblical worldview. You see the world, you hear the world, you speak to the world through the Bible first. Amen? That's why we, that's why we teach the Bible here. That's why when you go to small group, it's all about the word. We're trying to help you develop a biblical worldview and how to react. Biblical joy versus happenstance, right? And so here's what I, you know, I shared with you earlier. Tough few weeks, 
And so what I had to do is I had to make a choice. I said, okay, Lord, not only am I supposed to teach on this because, you know, wink, wink, I could teach on this and still have a heart very far away from the Lord because I can just tell you what it says. But I can't get away with that. So I was sitting there, mostly Monday and Tuesday when I didn't want to study. And I said, okay, Lord, Okay, yeah, I'm in the flesh. What, what, what do I do? And so he said, well, why don't you just go back to the basics for me? And this is just, I'm just sharing a little personal and a little tool I came up with. And uh, it was helpful. I'm just saying it was helpful for me to transition out of angst and despondency and emotion and feelings and opinion to, to put my focus where it needed to be back on God through the Word of God. Okay, and so I sat down, and it went back to the basics, and for whatever reason, you know, smile, S-M-I-L-E came up, smile, right, and it's not like a cheesy, goofy smile, but smile from your heart, like, smile, I'm like, okay, smile, and then suddenly, the Lord began to remind me of these biblical truths that were meaningful to me in the last 30 years of walking with him. Things that began to just remind me to smile in my heart. So S, one of the S's was salvation. You say, hey, you know what, you remember? The three tenses of salvation, hey buddy, you've been saved from the penalty of sin, you've been saved from the power of sin, and one day, buddy, you're gonna be saved from the presence of sin. Like, all right. All right, salvation. Then another S word came to my under S was scripture. Scripture. Hey, are you focusing on the promises or the problems? Are you focusing on the promises of scripture or the problems in your life, pal? Like, all right, all right. M, and don't forget, you're more than a conqueror which means you're super victorious. You're super victorious. It's not just a conqueror. You're more than a, you're, you're a hooper. You're hyper, you're, you are more than a conqueror. You fight from victory here, Richie. You gotta lose the victim mentality here, bud. You've slidden into victim mentality again. You are more than a conqueror, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow. And this one, it just touched Touch me, you know, I grew up in athletics and, and the confidence I had, you know, and the times when, when our team, we were, we, were, we were a good team and we came in the games and we were confident and we were pretty sure we were going to win. And during the game, there were some ups and downs and things didn't go well, but never did we falter in our confidence that we are about to win. And Lord, like, you are more than a conqueror. Why are you acting like you're defeated in this? And don't forget your identity. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. Right? And then you're loved. Hey, pal, I love you. In fact, in Romans, nothing on this planet will ever separate you from my love. Right? 
And then you know what? You're equipped. I've given you everything you need, Richie, for life and godliness. I've given the armor of God. You got the Holy Spirit. You're equipped. You're not out there battling the world by yourself like you when you were a teenager. It's not you against the world. Stop being, stop raging. Stop raging. I've equipped you. You have everything you need. Just stop. And then finally, the last E was eternity. In Luke 10, Jesus had sent out 72 on a mission trip, and they came back, and they were so lit. They're like, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us. And Jesus tells them, he says, you know what? Don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And he's like, Richie, stop looking at circumstances, even good ones, for your basis of your joy. Rejoice that your name is in the book of life and heaven is your home, dude. And he used this smile to help me smile again. From the inside out. And, you know, that's not the end. I mean, there could be books and books and stuff. I'm just sharing with you. That's just a starting point. If it's a tool for you and it helps you, great. If you want to add verses, great. I just put that out there. Because I'm telling you, my focus was off and I needed something to bring me back to the focus that I needed to be. And God used this crazy thing called smile. Because I wasn't in my heart. I was angry, bitter, and really just started reacting the way I used to. I said, whoa, time out here. Come back to the basics. Let me put a smile in your heart again. And it was liberating. It was liberating, right? And I want to encourage you, maybe you come up with your own word or your own foundational things. Take the time to let God speak what's personal and powerful to you from his word. Amen? What resonates with me in this smile is... 30 years of what he's taught me personally, not even pastorally. This isn't isn't my journey. Maybe it's just one verse to you today that will set you free. That you're like, oh, (laughs) that's right. Maybe it's Romans 8, 28. God works all things for the good. Ah, smile. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Smile. I don't know what it is but it does take some time and effort for you to sit down and quiet your heart and be honest before the Lord and let him speak to you about the condition and then bring truth, his promises, his nature, his character, who you are. Maybe it'll be a word like smile. Maybe it'll just be a bunch of verses or truths. He's going to speak to your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And so it's kind of like, uh, Isaac, if you put up that duck, so some of you, how many of you um, find one easier than the other? The duck or the rabbit? Does anyone have one that just comes more natural, right? And then you have to kind of work to see the other one, right? Well, here's the thing. In our fallen nature, viewing the world is more natural. We've been given the Holy Spirit and we understand things, but that may be the one that takes more work for a bit. 
You have your default. Oh, yeah, first thing I see is a duck. And you're like, rabbit? There's a rabbit in there? Man, I really got to force myself to see the eye and that he's pointing. Well, you know what? That's part of sanctification where your default was the world and the flesh. As a new creation, you have to work. First Timothy says we have to exercise ourselves unto godliness. You got to put in the time, in the word, in fellowship, in worship, in coming to church. You got to put in the time so that your mind is renewed so that who you are in Christ becomes the default. Amen? You walk in newness of life as the new default. Now, do we do it perfectly? No. And every once in a while, like, well, I went through, you drift back. But it's the word of God and it's the people of God that get you back on track. That's why we need each other. That's why we need each other. So it begins with a relationship with the Lord. Right? Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus had perspective. The joy that was set before him. And if you're a believer, you have joy set before you. And we can endure anything that this planet throws at us in the name of Jesus. Amen? We can. We can follow his example. And I just want to share this one other thing. Maybe it's not so much circumstances that is affecting your joy and squashing your joy. It might be the condition of your heart in the sense that you need to confess some things. Maybe you've become hardened. Maybe you just are just straight up disobedient right now and and you're justifying and you're rationalizing and you got pride and you're like, no, no. Maybe it's what, what's killing your joy that you can't rejoice in the Lord right now is the condition of your heart, right? There's a, there's a powerful passage, Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Even as a believer, maybe there's an area that the reason you're not experiencing joy, you're not able to rejoice, the Holy Spirit's convicting you of something, and you got to get it right. You need to confess. We talked about when we, when we went through the, spirit, the series on the Holy Spirit, you can quench and grieve the Holy Spirit. So maybe you're not bearing the fruit of the Spirit, joy, because you've grieved the Holy Spirit in an area of disobedience, in an area of, of hard-heartedness. And you need to, this morning, confess. To be set free, to let the Spirit have His way in this area, so you can manifest all the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? So maybe this morning you need to take the first step. Relationship with Jesus. If you're a believer, maybe you need to confess that you've been circumstance, happenstance driven. 
that you've been more caught up in dealing with life than choosing every morning to rejoice in the Lord. Maybe you got, maybe that's a confession. And thirdly, maybe as a believer, you've been grieving in the Holy Spirit because an area that you know just needs to be confessed and made right. Okay? All right, so we have, uh, as the kids are leaving, we've got just a couple of announcements. Um, The first one has to do with an event coming up on the 31st, which is Halloween. Uh, We are partnering with Redemption Church um, over in Miners Oaks uh, to uh, put on a trunk or treat. So it's going to physically be over at Redemption. Anyone and everyone is welcome to go. And we encourage you, particularly if you have kids, to really support that type of of activity and and, uh, do it with your brothers and sisters. Uh, They do need volunteers. If you are interested in volunteering to help, whether you have kids or not, you can certainly help and volunteer. You can see Jordan, and he'll give you a link to to sign up for volunteering. Um, And the next uh, announcement that we have, Jody Garfield is going to share with us. So uh, we'd like to invite you uh, November 5th for a men's breakfast um, in the commons. Everybody's invited. Um, it's at 9 a.m. And um, we're going to just a time of fellowship, break bread together. And um, we're also, Matt Norris will be giving his testimony. So come join us. November, 9th, November 5th, sign-ups are out in the cart. There you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was, Jody means business. That means, uh, now he said everyone can come, but I think he meant the guys. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, we're, we're, you read it how you want to read it. But guys, come on, we want to see all of you guys there, okay? So that's going to be a, a real fun time together.